tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 86. Well, you guys, it's almost summer. I sure hope you find time to relax and rejuvenate as you spend extra time with family and friends. And of course, I hope that you make The Living Room Podcast part of your summer lineup. We've got some really great interviews planned as we gear up for the launch of my new book on Trusting God coming out in August 2022. So, hey, I hope you'll subscribe to The Living Room because when you do that, it automatically posts all of the new episodes. That's what I do with my favorite podcast. It's absolutely free and it even gives you access to all the past interviews as well. I'm so excited about today's episode. If you've ever felt misunderstood or forgotten, well, this one's for you. Well, I am so excited to welcome back to the living room one of our most popular guests. Mary DeMuth is the author of over 40 books. She's she's just incredible. She's amazing. She has a Pray Every Day podcast that has more than a million downloads, but I've had the privilege of coming to know her as a friend. And Mary, I've been really excited about this new book and our time together. Can you tell us a little bit about it? I can. It's called The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible, What Their Stories Teach Us About Thriving. And uh, it's it's been fun to hear from readers all across the world um, about how they have kind of seen the scripture in a new light based on how I did this. And so I, I definitely, it's definitely a different kind of book. So I wanted to take the angst of being misunderstood by a close friend, and I'm still walking through that, actually, mm-hmm. and then combine it with my love of the scripture and also um, take that idea of being misunderstood and apply it to women in the Old and New Testament and then put on my fiction hat, which I don't get to put on very often, but I love that part of me and I love writing that part. Um, and so this is 10 women of the Bible. Their stories are fleshed out in fiction, kind of like uh, historical, biblical uh, short stories, um, as close to the biblical narrative as possible. And then I walk out all of those um, women um, and ask the question, how do they help us when we are walking through the valley of misunderstanding? Yeah, yeah. Boy, I don't think there's anything harder than being misunderstood because it just feels so unfair. I know I've had my moments, but can you maybe even unpack that? Because I think there's probably a lot of facets to being misunderstood, but uh, you know, just maybe unpack when you were writing this book, what was that woman, those different situations that you were thinking about? That's a great question. And no one's actually asked me that. So I appreciate that. I think that Um, On the one hand, on a surface level, I think we're all being misunderstood on social media all the time. Mm -hmm. And because we don't, there's no tone associated with it. And people will just take our words, probably sometimes out of context, maybe not out of context, but we'll just be surfacey misunderstood. And that goes, there's this deeper level of misunderstanding. And that's what I experienced with my friend was that I was assigned evil motives where no evil motives existed. And so when you get to that like deeper level of someone thinking the very worst about you, and no matter what you say, it's just going to make you look guilty to try to convince them that you're not 
bad. And I mean, of course, all of that underlies the fact that we all have evil motives and we all, you know, struggle with sin and all of that. I'm not saying that I'm always perfect and the person who accuses me is, in, is you know, imperfect in their accusation, but there are times where I think the enemy gets a hold of a relationship and uses someone's words to condemn us. And that's a really, really hard level of misunderstanding. Yeah, most definitely, especially when you can't fix it. And we're going to dive into that later because I don't know about anybody else, but that's the thing that can really kind of shake me up is when I can't fix the situation. But I was also thinking, one of the things I appreciated about this book is that you take the stories of different women in the Bible, and in some ways, they each have sort of a different experience of mis- being misunderstood. You know, you open with Eve, and I thought that was such a great place to start because she's forever defined by her worst mistake. And I think that's a lot of us, you know, we've made mistakes in our past and we've tried to, we've tried to do what was right and be reconciled to God and other people. And yet we're still defined by that label. How, how, what kind of stood out to you from Eve's story? One of the things, and and this is just comes from a plain reading of scripture is that Adam is right there while she's being tempted by the enemy And he's not saying a thing. And I don't know why he's mute, but he just is. And that adds a whole nother dimension. For whatever reason, I always read that as she was all alone and the snake serpent came up to her and started saying these mean things. And she figured it and she was like, oh, that tree looks cool and then took a bite. But Adam is right there. So she happened to be the first one, but um, they were both right there. The other thing I think is really interesting about our misunderstanding of Eve is that her confession was accurate versus Mm -hmm. Adam's confession was not. So she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. She actually confessed her sin rightly. She told the truth. When Adam confessed his sin, he said, uh, basically, that woman you gave me <laughs> yeah. gave it to me and I ate. So he he blame shifted not only to the woman, but to God. He blamed yes. God for giving him that woman. And so if we were, you know, they're both equally culpable in this task. So I'm not saying she's not and he is, or he isn't and she is. I'm saying they're both equally culpable, but there's some nuances to the story that we need to look at to realize that she actually gives us a good example of confession. Hmm. So true. So true. I think that I've just been thinking more and more about the fall because I think everything kind of goes back there. And to me, it's so really like all of our struggle, it goes back to that moment where we're like, "Mm, I think I want to do my own thing. And and like you said, um, Adam was right there. But the thing that just blows me away is that God God, yes, they had to leave the garden, but he covered their sin and his love followed them out of the garden. And sometimes I wonder if we don't even misunderstand God when we Mm -hmm. mess up that we feel like, oh, he's rejected us. And I love, you have a special feature at the end of each chapter. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I kind of want to encapsulate, there's a lot that goes on in each chapter. So I wanted to encapsulate what are the truths about you when you're misunderstood And then some questions that you can either journal or you can ask others. And and actually, I'm thinking about creating an online Bible study for this this summer um, because it's such a simple format. It's 10 women, 10 weeks. It should be pretty easy to do. Um, But it's I think we learn actually even better in community. And so those questions are even more important um, to discuss with a friend. 
Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise we end up accepting the labels. Maybe other people aren't labeling us, but we are labeling ourselves and unable. I I know several women that, you know, just are unable to receive the forgiveness of the Lord and believe that mm-hmm. they are truly new creations. And so, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So some other misunderstood women that have really stood out to you as you've been writing this book. You know, I think you mentioned about um, having a label follow you, and we have Rahab the harlot, and I always see her as Rahab the harlot, like in Scripture, like that's how she's referred to, and yet she's in the lineage of Christ, and she actually had such a profound faith. So her faith wasn't by experiencing the power of God, it was by hearing about God's power through word of mouth. And then she accepted it just by hearing about God's great exploits across the Red Sea and what he did for the nation of Israel, sustaining them in the wilderness. And so she harbored the spies, protected them, sent them away. And then she was saved because she had done that. And um, But she believed what was said about God Almighty. And that is a very profound faith and one that um, I think I long to emulate. Um, and so she's not, I think there's a lot of women walking around with the harlot after their name or their worst sin after their name or, oh, I had an abortion and it's after their name or that's the girl that did this after her name. And the truth is, is that if we're really remembering uh, Rahab correctly, we remember her because of her faith. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Another person that you talk about is Bathsheba. And I think that this is so important because it's not just the things we've done, not not just the mistakes we've made, but the things that have been done to us. Again, you know, either we're labeled by people or we label ourselves and it becomes our definition rather than being redefined by the Lord. Can you talk about Bathsheba? I can. So I relate to her in so many ways because she was taken away from where she was. And then, um, you know, obviously we have this story of King David uh, with his power as king. He could do anything he wanted and she couldn't say no. And so through no fault of her own, this happened to her. And I, I just remember, you know, my own story with a babysitter pushing me out the door at age five to these teenage boys. I couldn't say no. They were bigger than me. They had more power than me. And so um, it's very interesting if you just start asking the question, what would it have been like to be in her sandals? <laughs> yeah. And so we've got that, but then we've got this other layer of she stays after her husband is killed or allowed to be, you know, die by David, she has to stay in the same place as a wife with the person who murdered her husband. Mm -hmm. Like that is just horrid. And then the other thing I thought was interesting as I was just reading the story over and over again is that she um, could have been with her husband Uriah, could have been barren because there's no mention of her ever having children with Uriah. And so if that's true and she finally gets pregnant this one way and then she has the baby and then it's it dies. Mm-hmm. So she had a lot of things done to her, things that were unfair, and uh, she didn't have agency in those things. And so in that, I think a lot of us can relate to that. But what I love about the story is later we see that her son that did survive, Solomon, he made a 
throne for her and she had great power in the kingdom. And so even though she had walked through this valley of the shadow of death, the Lord saw her just like he saw Hagar, which is another one of the women that I, I cover. And he saw her, he dignified her, he gave her a new story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the thing you know, that we have to let the Lord do for us. We can't make the new story, but He He can give us a new story. And I I can so relate with, with your opening story about having the misunderstanding with a friend and kind of going back to that place where, you know, we just, we want to be okay. We want that relationship to be restored. And yet, um, I'm sure there's some women out there that are walking through relationships that for whatever reason, they cannot fix. What have you learned in your journey? <laughs> well, first, I would like to say that if you've been hurt by someone who loves you and you've been misunderstood, it's really okay to be sad about that. It's really okay to lament. Um, a very large portion of the Psalms are lament Psalms, and King David and other psalmists wrote about their sadness. And so that's very appropriate to do. And also to have the Holy Spirit, because there are times in your life when you've been misunderstood where the Holy Spirit will say to you, it's time to tell the truth and defend yourself. There are other times that he says, be still, be quiet, let me defend you. In this case with the friend, he told me to be still, be quiet, let me defend you. And that's a hard place to be. It's almost easier to explain yourself. Um but there's not, what I'm trying to say is there's no like hard rule. Well, you have to do this if you're misunderstood because the Holy Spirit knows every situation intricately and he knows best how to lead each person through it. Yeah. Yeah. So I can so relate to this because went through this really painful time. In fact, I call it the dark night of the soul that sort of inspired <laughs> my second book, Having a Merry Spirit, allowing God to change us from the inside out because... I couldn't make it okay. And every time mm -hmm. I tried to make it okay, it only made it worse. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was just like the Lord, you know, I know that the enemy meant it for evil. I know that he meant to take me out and he meant to take my friends out. He just did. Mm -hmm. But the Lord goes, mm, here's something that I want to use, Joanna, in your life. And I, you know, it was, boy, talk about lamenting. I thought that I handled it pretty good. And my daughter said, like, just a couple of years ago, she goes, was that the time you were always in the bedroom crying? <laughs> i like, that would be the time. <laughs> because it, I, I don't know how it has been for you, Mary, but it unearthed this core need of approval that I, I knew mm -hmm. was always there, but I thought I had sort of grown beyond it. And it was like the <laughs> Lord just allowed that situation to just, I mean, there was no hiding from it. I literally thought I was going to die. The removal mm. of approval, uh, it undid me at the deepest core. And yet looking back and the journey that, that the Lord, it's like almost in the removal of approval for people. I don't know how it worked, but it was almost, I came to a deeper understanding of the approval of God. That, you know, mm -hmm. I had searched my heart. I had apologized. I'd done everything that I could, and yet it wasn't enough. But it actually brought me closer to the Lord. How do we walk those times 
of misunderstanding because I really feel like, boy, the enemy wants to get us sidetracked by the hurt. Yeah, I think he wants two victories. The first victory would be just taking you out by the pain of being misunderstood. And then the second victory that he would have is us shrinking back from the calling that God has for us because we take into mind those things that are said about us and believe them to be true when they're not. Um, and then we cease to do ministry because we you know, have this wound. Um, yeah. So uh, dealing with it, I would, one of the things I think that worked out well for me is to have some close friends completely removed from the situation. They literally did not know the other person. And, but I needed perspective um, besides just my husband. Um, I needed some girlfriends who I could say, this is what I'm hearing. This is what was said. Uh, this is what I said in response. Am I going crazy? What can I do? How can I repent? Um, tell me if I've got this broken place in me that needs to be fixing. And of course there was, just like you said, that approval need. Um, but it helped me to to walk through it because I was too much in my head and I couldn't get out. And I needed somebody on the outside to pull some stuff out for me. Yes, absolutely. The Lord gave me one friend like that. And it was kind of unique because she knew everyone involved in the situation. But she had a spiritual maturity that she mm -hmm. could carry my pain and not take sides. Yeah. She could carry my pain and not get offended for me. You know, and I think we're living, especially in this time and age where it seems like we jump to the worst conclusion. Mm -hmm. we we believe the worst rather than the best about each other and and so she would listen to my pain but she continually pointed me to Jesus you know she she didn't go oh yeah those terrible people she didn't like yeah. feed my pain and um and i just think i've told her before you know i'm just so grateful for patty because i needed that i needed a safe place for my heart and i needed to be able to get perspective I think so many of us need that in our lives. How do we find how do we find safe friends like that that won't just jump on the bandwagon and and play, you know, playground rules where we take sides, but just can <laughs> can be good places, good confidants. I think there's some longevity there um, of watching people over the long haul. Cause I think even in my friendships, I think in my 20s. My friendships were more like that because we were less mature. <laughs> so we would like, yeah, 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 we would take sides. Um, so I think that also underscores the importance of finding someone more mature than you or older yeah. than you who has walked the journey before. And to, you know, ask the question, is this person safe? If I tell them these things, are they going to keep it to themselves? And to ask the things that you've just talked about, are they going to automatically take my side and villainize the other, or are they going to be level-headed throughout it and prayerful? Um, and we can, you know, see people, uh, you know, I've had to let go of some friendships that were, in fact, the one that, you know, blew up. It was one of those friendships where um, it was that immature, reactionary spirit. And um, I realize now in retrospect, I'm actually really grateful that's over. Um, Sometimes we're misunderstood and God just wants to remove us from a relationship mm. and that's okay. It's painful. Right. But maybe it maybe one of the things we can remind ourselves of is that God has a plan in this somehow 
It will be for mm. my growth and for his glory, but there may be even some other things that we're not seeing. He may be removing something from our life or someone from our life for our betterment and for our good. Yeah. Oh, I think that's true. And how to hold a good heart in that. (laughs) So it's not like sayonara, baby. (laughs) You know, but that we can love that person. We can, we can still have a right spirit, but we, we're okay with letting it go. You know, you opened the book talking about just having, um, having, uh, someone in leadership who believed something about you that wasn't true. And, and just, you know, how hard it was to trust God with your reputation. But I think, I think that is such a huge thing. What have you learned in that aspect? Yes, he is the keeper of our reputation. Our hearts are complicated. And even when we think we're right, <laughs> we can go back to Psalm 139 and say, search me, O God, and know my heart. <laughs> Tell me if there's these bad ways in me, to my paraphrase there. Um, so, of course, we've got that, and the heart is deceitful above all else. But mm-hmm. the other thing that we can rest in is that um, like in the story of Hagar, we can name God Elroy, the God who sees. Yeah. He knows our heart. He is our defender. He is the one that goes before. And he does give us the strength to have these radical prayers like, Lord, bless that person who hurt me. I pray mm-hmm. for those who persecute me. Lord, I pray that you would help him or her to have a better feeling about me so that they're not bitter. I don't want them to have bitterness. Please deliver them from any bitterness they may have. Lord, if there's anything that I can do that will, um, as far as it depends on me to be at peace with them, show me what that Mm -hmm. is. And he gives us the strength to be like Jesus in those situations because that's exactly how Jesus was on this earth. Yeah. That verse in the whole section in Philippians 2, where it says that Jesus made himself, he emptied himself and made himself Mm -hmm. of no reputation. And the Lord Mm -hmm. reminded me of that during a a difficult time. And he said, you know, Joanna, if you make yourself of no reputation, you have nothing to build and nothing to defend. And it's such a relief to go, okay, my reputation is in your hands, Lord, Lord. I'm going to bless and not curse. I'm not going to trade insult for insult. It's really so freeing because otherwise we're constantly trying to keep score and self-protect. Well, and I love Jesus when he says, you know, if you've been invited to a banquet, take the last seat. Yeah. And then the host can elevate you. And, and you know, various, various times in, this, in Scripture it says, humble yourself and he will exalt you at the proper time. Yeah. Um, that's how you do that. You take the last seat. And if there's any sort of promotion, that's cool. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. But if not, I've taken my lowest seat. So there's no much, there's no much lower that I can go. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm safe there. (laughs) That's right. I love that. I love that. You know, you have talked openly in your books just about trauma and difficult things that have happened to you and, um, have, just so many powerful, I've told you, I'm just, I've got some girls that you have personally touched through your ministry and your resources in such a powerful way. But I think one of the things we all struggle with is, is allowing God to redefine us. And, you know, I think to, to say, okay, all those things happened in the past, that friend who betrayed me, those, those teenage boys that harmed me, that, that babysitter, all those different places of hurt. And, and again, I think if we're not careful, 
we can begin to misunderstand ourselves, thinking that either we're our sin or we're the sin that's been done to us. How, how do we strip ourselves of labels, self-imposed as well as other-imposed, and just walk free in just the acceptance and love of the Lord? I know that's like way too easy of a question. I know it takes more, <laughs> but where can we start? I'm uh, reading Colossians over and over and over again right now. And Colossians 3 talks about setting your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. And the things that are on earth are traumatic things. And I think the three words that the Lord's bringing to mind as we're talking right now, and this is never, these three words haven't come to me before, but they are simple, in order to. So all those things happened in my past. Yes. Are they me? No, but they did happen to me. But now I've, Jesus has intersected my life in order to minister to others who have been hurt as well. And if I think of it that way, like Rahab, you know, she was, she, and, you know, no little girl grows up and says, I'm going to be a harlot when I grow up. Most likely she had a story there. This was not her first, you know, choice of occupation. She probably had to make her way in the world. But she was put in that place in that time in order to bring deliverance. And I think that's how we can look at our stories. They are, they matter. The trauma is real. We lament it. We ask Jesus to intersect it. I'm not saying that they don't, none of it matters. It all matters. But what matters more is setting my mind on things above where the glory of God's happening, where the kingdom of God is happening and being a part of participating in this kingdom building, which is astounding to me that the perfect God of the universe is going to choose a bunch of broken people like myself and yourself to build his kingdom. Like if I was going to build a kingdom and there was a bunch of yahoos running around on earth, I would not choose them (laughs) to do my work. I would just do it myself because I knew I would do it the right way. So the fact that he chooses us is just phenomenal and scary and amazing. I know. And that he redeems, I, you know, that he's our redeemer, that he takes the terrible, the worthless, the horrible, and he transforms it. I mean, our great redeemer, it, it just consistently blows my mind that, um, you know, I always thought it was having it all together and being the perfect little girl, you know, that that would bring him more glory. But I think it's when we give him access to those places of pain let him heal us, let him redefine us. You know, I keep thinking of the Samaritan woman after that intersection, like you said, Jesus intersected her life and she runs and says, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. No more shame, no more hiding Mm -hmm. midday at the well. She becomes an evangelist and that's the transforming power of God. Any other girls that you write about that kind of just stand out, especially as we talk today? Well, one is one that most people don't know about, and that's um, Phoebe. And she is commended at the very end of Romans. And typically, when someone is commended in the way that she's commended, they're the person to bring the letter to carry it. And so Mm -hmm. many scholars believe that she was the person who brought the book of Romans to Rome from Corinth. And so that in and of itself... (laughs) We mm-hmm. can't know for sure. We'll ask her in heaven. But um, I, I was thinking how interesting it would be 
to look at her life and to remember that if you were a carrier of a letter in the ancient times, you had to know the heart of the person who penned it and you had to know their vocal inflections so that when you said the letter and read it and probably memorized it, you would also have all of Paul's inflections, which means Mm. that she would have had to spend a lot of time with him and his words about her are very commendable. And so we just, we forget. I mean, the Lord uses all sorts of people to do all sorts of work, and she would have had to go on foot, um, on a ship, back on foot, very dangerous to deliver this most important book of the Bible, like such an important book, to the believers in Rome. So I just want to kind of encourage people to say, you know, she's misunderstood and maybe in the annals of history, but the Lord understands her. And even if you feel like you're overlooked or unseen, God's going to use you in your ministry in powerful ways. And there will be reward on the other side. Mm, That is so beautiful. So we've been talking about the misunderstood women of the Bible, and you talk about several that are named, but I can't help but think about all the women that were left unnamed. And yet precious in the Lord's sight. And as I think about that in today's culture, I think part of the misunderstood can be the overlooked. In today's culture with so many big names and big platforms, and sometimes we, even as authors, you and I have had this conversation before, like how how to carry the calling that God has when when maybe maybe we feel a little bit forgotten or in the shadows? How do we stay faithful when maybe our worth is not always valued or we're called to serve in the shadows rather than in the spotlight? How do we walk those paths? That's a good question. I think um, as I look back on my own career, my first book uh, did not take off, nor did my second or my 41st or my 42nd. (laughs) And so I have lived uh, just as someone who writes a lot of books. And it's been hard. And what I have come to has been uh, looking back on, on me when I wrote that first book and thinking about what would have happened to my soul had it taken off. And to thank God for not giving me any sort of reputation out there in the writing world um, because it was good for my soul. And so I guess it comes back for, you know, not everyone has to write a book and to be able to say those things, but um, it comes back to trusting the hand of God. And maybe there's a reason why uh, in this particular instance you're misunderstood or you're overlooked. Um, it may be just something to walk through and to persevere through and then to look back later with wiser eyes and say, ah, thank you, Lord, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for not Mm -hmm. having me be seen during that time because it would have been a disaster for my soul. Well, I know there's so many different women from so many different backgrounds of life and, you know, feeling misunderstood, misunderstanding ourselves, maybe even misunderstanding the love of God. And uh, I just would love to have you pray over us that that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, like Paul says, mm-hmm. to to be mm-hmm. able to grasp the hope and the love and the grace that is ours in Him. Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment that we have together. And I pray for the hurt. Um, many of us have been hurt by the words or the misunderstandings of others, and we carry it around in our heart, not like a badge, but as a just kind of as a wound. And so, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would do some heart surgery today and you would just 
take away some of that pain and help us to choose forgiveness, to help us to not um, be micromanagers of our own reputation. We are not called to be our own PR, but we are called to rest in you. And in light of that, Lord, we thank you that you know us perfectly and you love us anyway. <laughs> and you, you are for us, not against us. Your Holy Spirit convicts always with hope and not with shame. And so we thank you that we're no longer those labels of the past, but that we are gloriously walking in freedom and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all the good things forward in your kingdom. Thank you for entrusting ministry to us and help us to live free without bitterness and without um, anger. Uh, we could let go of that today in Jesus' name and let you take care of it. We choose to forgive now through the power of Jesus because we know that we are more like you, Jesus, when we forgive. Give us that perspective in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Don't you love Mary's heart? I'm so glad that we are never misunderstood or forgotten by God. We can trust Him with our lives as well as our hurts and even our bondages. He wants to heal our hearts so that we can truly be free. You can find links to purchase Mary's new book over at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 086, as well as links to her podcast and all of her social media platforms. Whether anyone else understands you or knows your name, Jesus does, my friend. And He wants to set you free from everything that has held you back from the abundant life He wants to give you. Because here's the deal. You were made for life. You were made for friendship with God. A friendship that heals every hurt and fills every hole. So that you and I can live and love and lead like Jesus. See you next time, my friend. <laughs>